Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, this morning I'll be doing a quick reading, uh, Genesis 1 to 5, and then skipping through to 31. The beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. to the most anticipated match of the year, the grand final between the formidable Fnatic and their challenger, Mad Lions. That's right, Trouble. Forget the LEC finals. We're about to crown our ultimate rock, paper, scissors champions. I still remember the first day I saw a piece of paper destroy a rock. You don't forget that as a child. Since that day, I've always wanted to be the best. Rock, paper, scissors is tough. It's crazy. Maybe you go for a rock, and then, boom, they pick paper. It's just that quick. This is a head-to-head -head like no other. The best of three lightning fast rounds where everything can change in a split second. To set expectations, there are no clear favorites here. Fnatic the old hands, if you will, but Mad have been cutting fingers and wrapping their fists for many years now. Here we go. Mad versus Fnatic, round one. Who wins? We don't know. Oh no, we're at the attention. I left it there. Uh, rock, paper, scissors. It's a really simple game. It would be really ridiculous, and I, I hope that this is not actually a real thing. That was a parody, in case you were wondering. No, there isn't actually a rock, paper, scissors championship. Uh, it, it's the sort of thing that it almost seems like it would be a bit ridiculous. Like if paper, rock, scissors was actually that serious, it'd be a bit silly. Uh, paper, rock, scissors is a bit of fun. But if it gets competitive, if, if it becomes about, you know, making sure that you win and it's that championship vibe, I think something would be lost in that. And what we're doing today is we're looking at an aspect of the Christian faith, which tends to be competitive. Now, it's a little odd, maybe it's a different way of thinking of it, but it's probably one of the areas in the Christian faith, one of the areas of theology, uh, one of the questions that we sort of have, that what tends to happen is if you get two people who hold the strong views on this, it can almost seem like when you're watching them go back and forward, it's almost like someone's taking paper, rock, scissors a little bit too seriously. Now, that's not to say that what we're looking at today is not serious and important. But as we think about the story of creation, and what does the Bible say? Uh, my encouragement as we come through this today is to actually come to this topic holding our own viewpoint lightly for a moment. Uh, and then as we go through the session, uh, being able to go, all right, I can see why I believe it, I see what I believe uh, and why it's important, but also how I could engage other Christians who might hold a slightly different view. Uh, we're continuing in our series today. It's week three, looking at a Christian worldview. 
and we're picking some of the most complicated or challenging ideas of the Christian faith, and we're just going to dig in for a few weeks and sort of rip the bandaid off and sort of go through it, uh, because it's actually really helpful to look at the framework that we look at the world through. And so this at the moment, last week we looked at God or gods. Is the Trinity actually something essential in the Christian faith? The answer was yes. Go back and look at the podcast if you're not quite sure about it. Uh, but today we're going to look at creation stories. What is the deal with creation? And so what I want to actually do today is the first thing I want to go through is what do different Christians believe? What are the different viewpoints? Uh, why do they look at it that way? What, who are the people that kind of propose it? Uh, and what is the idea behind it? But I also want to press into a little bit further and actually express an idea of what must Christians believe? What, what's actually at the heart? Or what, what are the things that we would say, this is essential to saying that you hold a Christian worldview? And, and what do we do with that? And, and what do we do with theology when we have different perspectives? How can we learn to be a community of followers who have a diverse range of viewpoints on different things? How can we hold to those things strongly, but also in community with one another? Uh, so the first view that I'm going to look at, there's no particular order to this. It was just as I sort of thought of the different views around this. And I also just want to encourage you, uh, you will see some of these and you will immediately feel something go, that's ridiculous because of X, Y, and Z. And then someone else in the room will feel the same way about your view. So just hold those lightly. Uh, and I'm going to go through the different ways that people tend to view uh, the different theories behind creation. Uh, so the first view we're looking at is called Young Earth Creationism. Uh, young Earth Creationists, or YEC, as it's often abbreviated to, they believe that the Earth was created in seven 24-hour period days. So God created the world in seven 24-hour period days. Uh, and they believe that the Earth is approximately 6,000 years old. Uh, that's calculated by looking at the dates that are listed throughout the Bible and going right back to the very beginning, and they come out with about a 6,000-year period. Uh, now, their view of Genesis, this is, these are the sort of things I'm going to look at, they think Genesis is entirely literal. If it says a day, it means a day. Uh, if it says a period of time, it means a period of time. If it says God created something on a certain day, it means God created that on that day. It is literal interpretation of Genesis. Uh, their view of science is they're not necessarily anti-science, but it's secondary. They're really not concerned about what science would have to say. Uh, and they would probably view it fairly low. Uh, so their view of science would be fairly low. They're really focused on looking at what Genesis says and what we can learn about creation through the book of Genesis. Uh, and their key, the, the key proponents for this uh, are a Christian group called Answers in Genesis uh, and a guy called Ken Han. Now, they actually have a museum over in the U.S., uh, you can go and visit it. They've got all of their evidence and their reasons for believing what they believe in that one place. And you can go along and actually get a really good understanding as to why they believe what they do. Uh, the next group that I'm going to look at is a group called Old Earth Creationists. So you heard that last one was Young Earth. Now we have the Old Earth. Now, there are a lot more differences than just the age of the universe, but they're actually fairly similar in their viewpoints. The only the, the key difference they have is that old earth creationists still believe that the world or the earth was created in seven days, but 
The word day in Hebrew is the word yom, and yom can mean a physical 24-hour day, or it can mean an age or an epoch. And so they would suggest that, yes, seven days is accurate, but each day is an age. Uh, And so therefore they would say that they believe that the earth is billions of years old, but it was still created in seven days in the order that Genesis suggests. Uh, So their view of Genesis, just like young earth creationists, is that it's literal. If it says it was made on this day, it was made on that day, just within the age that that corresponded to. Uh, Their view of science is a little different. It's still secondary. It's still not of most importance, but it's slightly higher viewed. I mean, the reason they mostly disagree with young earth creationists is they agree with science that the world is billions of years old. Uh, So their position would be, all right, we actually think science has got some ideas, so we do view it, but we will absolutely take what Genesis says literally as being of greater importance. Uh, Their main proponent is a group called Reasons to Believe, uh, and Hugh Ross is the name of the person who is the main proponent uh, in this viewpoint. Uh, Another group that you'll find within the Christian worldview uh, is evolutionary creationism. So evolutionary creationists, uh, they believe that there is harmony between science and biblical faith, uh, and that's by looking at creation through an evolutionary understanding. Uh, So they do believe in creation. They believe that is the best expression to explain how the world came to be. Uh, Their view of Genesis is that Genesis is allegorical. It's a a poem. It's, It's a story that helps us come to understand God but that it's not trying to be a scientific textbook. So if the Bible doesn't necessarily line up with what science says, that doesn't mean that Bible's wrong or science is wrong. What they would suggest is that the Bible was not trying to be a scientific textbook. Uh, Their view of science is that it's as important as Genesis. Not more important, not less important, but as important. They would probably suggest that actually it's through exploring evolution that we can discover how God literally made the world and through exploring Genesis, we can understand the story as to why God created the world. Uh, And their main proponent is a group called BioLogos and that's a guy called Francis Collins. So there's a whole group of people who are part of BioLogos who are exploring the word uh, through evolutionary means. Uh, There's another group called Intelligent Design. So you might notice there's a lot of different views. There's a whole host, and I've just picked the big ones. There's actually some off-ramps to these. So there's a group called Intelligent Design. They're similar to your evolutionary evolutionary creationists, but uh, they, they do have some distinct differences. So they certainly also believe that there is harmony between scientific discoveries and the biblical story but not quite to the same extent as evolutionary creationists. So intelligent design don't necessarily subscribe to evolution, but they do subscribe to the idea that science is able to help us discover how the world came to be. And so that's probably one of the main distinctions is they're not all in on evolution, but they are all in on the idea of science discovering the way that God made things and that you should be able to tie that up with a biblical understanding of what Genesis says and how Genesis says the world was created. Uh, So their view is that Genesis is both literal, but also has aspects of allegory or story. There's aspects of poetry. Uh, And as you read through it, you've got to read through it with those two different lenses. 
Uh, they have a high view of science, but they would still say that it's subservient to the Bible. So they probably hold even more to the Bible than what your evolutionary creationists do. They're happy for the Bible to be there, but they would sort of see it as, you know, science will explain it through evolution. These guys will go, no, no, the Bible is the starting viewpoint, but we need to find a way of harmonizing it with science. Uh, the main proponents of this is a group called the Discovery Institute. And so they spend a lot of time and a lot of resources trying to equip and help Christians understand the world through this lens. And it's a guy called Stephen Mayer uh, is the person who runs that group. The last group that I'm going to look at, so again, this is not an exhaustive view. There's actually probably about 15 or 20 different things that I could have used, but these are definitely the biggest five. Uh, one view of Genesis is called the literary framework. It could do with a bit of a catchier title, but, you know, that's okay. It, it works for now. So it's the literary framework view. So this view entirely sees Genesis as poetry. Uh, it definitely sees the whole point of Genesis is actually a poetic expression of how God created the heavens and the earth, but it's a framework. And so if you actually map the days, you can actually see that what happens on day one, two, and three is filled by what happens on day four, five, and six. So on day one, light and dark is separated. So you get light created, there's light and there's dark. And then on day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars fill the spaces that they're in. So the sun is what creates light. The moon's there creating light at night time, actually reflecting the light of the sun. Uh, but it's filling or creating the space that day one did. Day two, we have the separation of the water from the sky. And day five, we see our water animals created and we see our birds that fly in the sky. So day two is filled by day five. And then on day three, we see dry land appear and we see plants are created. On day six, we have humans. I don't know why I put image there, but that's okay. Um, we have humans that are made, uh, and we have animals that eat the plants. So animals eat the plants, and we have humans that are created. And so the literary view is actually a poetic expression of how the world was created. Uh, their view of Genesis is, strangely enough, it's allegorical. It's a poem. It's just looking to express that God created the heavens and the earth, but they're really not too concerned about how it maps. And so it might not surprise you, they don't care about the scientific expression. So you could have people who are very strong into science who actually hold to this view, or you could have people who have absolutely no interest whatsoever in what science says. From their perspective, science has nothing to do with understanding Genesis or what it's actually trying to say because it's just about understanding the poem of Genesis. Now, the proponents for this, uh, the main one is a guy called Dr. Ari Nujif. He's the founder. I won't try and pronounce that last name again because it's not going to happen. Uh, but so that he's the founder of a group that, that really explores and expresses how this can be a viewpoint that helps explain what Genesis is talking about. And so as I wrap that up and sort of move on to looking at what do we do with all of this, I want to express that every one of these views, so some of the, as I read through them, you would have looked at one or two of them and gone, yeah, that's it, that's what it is. Why is Jones bothering about talking about the rest of these? That's what it is. And yet I know that in this room, there are people who hold to different ones of those views. Every one of these views have biblical 
difficulties. They also have scientific difficulties, but I will show my cards a little bit and say that, that I certainly think that it needs to match with what the Bible says. That the Bible has to be a key aspect of understanding what the whole point of Genesis is about. And so every one of those views has challenges. Every one of those views in some way, shape or form actually requires living with tension, living with questions, living with uncertainties about exactly how does that work. When you, when you try and dig beneath the surface, which one of those actually best expresses what God is trying to get at? And so when I was thinking about what is the Christian worldview, I actually think, and I've got a reason for this that I'll go through in a moment, it's as simple as this. This is the Christian worldview. Beyond this, you're actually getting into semantics. The Christian worldview is simply that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, so that suggests, okay, there is a beginning. Christianity teaches the world has not existed forever. And for a very long time, science said it had. For a very long time, science presented that actually the world had always existed. There was never a creation. And Christians came and said, no, there was a creation. There was a beginning. There was a starting point. Why? Because we know that the Bible says, in the beginning. The next bit we see there is it says, God created. Now, if God created, that means God is outside of creation. That God is not part of the created order that God has existed forever and that he is in charge, he is in control of that which he created. And what did he create? He created the entire heavens and the earth. So anything that we experience in this life, anything we experience in this world or whatever it is that we might be finding, it fits in that space of the heavens or the earth. And so I would actually present that this is as far as we have to go to be able to say that we hold a Christian worldview. All Christians who follow Jesus, all Christians who believe that Jesus lived, died and rose again, generally speaking, will agree with this statement. So how do we handle the fact that there are so many different opinions beyond this. What is true and how do I know what to hold to and what do I do with different theological expressions and how do I fix my friends who are wrong? Because, you know, you're all thinking that. How do I fix my friends who are wrong? Well, I want to present, I call it a, a simple Christian approach to theology. I want to say right up front that not all Christians will actually agree with this approach. So this is an approach that, once again, as soon as you start to define things, someone defines it the other way. But I think this is a really helpful way of approaching theology and approaching topics that you're going to have a diverse range of opinions around. The first one is that I think there are matters that are of primary importance. I think there are aspects of theology, there are aspects of the Christian story that are of utmost importance that everybody needs to agree to. That if you're going to call yourself a Christian, these things are essential. 
And where I get this idea from and where I actually, where I get the essentials from, what I think are the essentials, is the fact that very early on after Jesus was around, within the first sort of few hundred years, the church had lots of debates because churches like debating because we all want to be right and we all want to know what's right. And they debated and debated and debated, you know, was God the Trinity? Is that actually true? What's going on here? And they spend a lot of time coming up with a few simple creeds. And the whole point of the creeds was exactly what I'm talking about. It was to go, if we had to boil down the Christian faith to its bare bone essentials, what are the things that we suggest you must believe? And people lost their lives fighting for these creeds. Uh, Churches went into all kinds of different challenges and we have no idea just what they faced to come up with these things. And so one of them called the Nicene Creed. Uh, There's also one called the Athanasius Creed, and then there's a few others as well. But there's a sort of main two, uh, the Nicene Creed in particular. And every mainline Christian denomination since the Nicene Creed was formed has agreed to the content of the Nicene Creed. And what does, no, Baptists haven't always loved creeds. We like to say we have no creed but the Bible which is great until you start trying to actually interpret what is the Bible saying. Uh, But they have still subscribed to the idea. And so what does the Nicene Creed, when they were thinking about what must we believe about Genesis? What are the essentials? What, What must we actually say is true? Well, this is what the Nicene Creed says about the creation of the world. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things, visible and invisible. So this is what the Nicene Creed, this is the fullness of its discussion around what you must believe to hold a Christian understanding in the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. They do go on to talk about the Trinity later, so don't get thrown off by the fact that we've only got one God there. Uh, Maker of heavens and earth, and all things, visible and and invisible. Another creed that was around the Apostles' Creed simply says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And this is the one point that all Christian denominations for pretty much all of time since Jesus have agreed to agree to. I believe God exists. I believe he is the creator. And I believe he created heaven and earth, everything visible and invisible. And I think that that is actually a great point to say that is what's essential. Now, I hold convictions that are far beyond that. I hold convictions, and we're going to talk to those in a moment. But if you actually want to boil it down to what must you believe, I actually think this is what we are taught. This is the point that brings unity together amongst Christians. So after that, you'll get what I think are secondary matters or secondary aspects of belief. Uh, What this looks like for me is different churches will have different statements of faith. And so all, all denominations have agreed with what I just said. All denominations have said, yes, what the Nicene Creed stated, that is Christian belief. That's orthodoxy. That's what Christians believe. 
Then you'll have churches that go one step further and they'll put a little bit more flesh on it. Some churches will put a lot and they'll take a particular viewpoint. So you'll have some churches who will say, if you want to call this church home, you must be a young earth creationist. If you're not a young earth creationist, you're not going to fit in this church. And that's entirely appropriate because they as a church have decided and defined a statement of faith and they're generally upfront about it and they generally let you know this is where it sits. They're not saying, well, they're not normally saying you're not a Christian. Sometimes they will, but I can't speak to that. Generally, though, they're saying this is our conviction. This is what we are convinced is right. And so you might be sitting there going, oh no, what does this church say? What's this church's statement of faith around this? I don't remember what it says. Well, here's as simple as this. Uh, this is what's within the Baptist statement of faith. God created the heavens and the earth and all that exists in them. He continues to care for and govern his creation, working out his purposes for all he has made. God created the heavens and the earth and all that exists in them. He continues to care for and govern his creation, working out his purposes for all he has made. And so we at Austin Cove would say, if you, if you want to be a part of this church, this is all you have to agree to when it comes to the topic of creation. That this is actually the point that we are united on. You'll notice it doesn't really go that much further than the Nicene Creed. Now, Baptists are quite, it, it might surprise you too, because some Baptists in some places have a much more rigid view around this. Uh, Baptists do often actually take a particular viewpoint around creation and insist that you hold to that viewpoint if you're going to call that church home. Uh, this is the Baptist Churches of Western Australia uh, statement of faith, and I'm pretty sure the statement of faith that Australian Baptists hold, uh, because we actually want to be a uniting group, a group that comes together and actually provides a space to bring unity. So then you go down to the next level, and I say this is a tertiary level. So your primary things, these are your essentials. Secondary, that's where your statements of faith come in. That's where if you want to call a particular church home, have a look at what they say their statement of faith is. Uh, there are other theologies where this is important. Women in leadership is a big one. There are some churches that have a very specific view around that, and that will be in their statement of faith. That's not in the primary matter. It's not discussed by the Nicene Creed. That's a secondary or potentially tertiary, depending on your view. Some churches will have that in their secondary and their statement of faith will be very clear around it. That's actually appropriate if they're clear and that's what that church has chosen to do. Uh, we're all for it here at Austin Cove. I would certainly put in the tertiary account of uh, I'm very much for it, uh, but that's where we would sit. There are other churches that would put that in the secondary theology. So what do we do with the tertiary? This is where your specifics will generally come in. Are you a young earth creationist? Are you an old earth creationist? Are you an evolutionist? Are you into intelligent design? Do you believe in the literary framework? Do you think none of those are right? And you've got your own you know, great idea of how it works. Great, come and tell me. I'd actually be really interested. I, I'm fascinated by creation. Now, I, I sort of look at all of these and I can see bits and pieces of each of them that I go, that really resonates with my understanding of the scriptures. But these are tertiary matters. 
I do not think they're worth dividing over personally. And I'm hopeful that as a church, we could actually have people that hold to each one of these views and call this church home. That the kind of culture, the kind of space that we're trying to create here at Austin Grove is that you should have some convictions around this. You should have an understanding. And and when I'm teaching from it, if I'm actually going to be teaching it, I will probably teach a particular view. I, I will teach what I do believe the Bible teaches. But I will wrestle with and I will sit down and discuss with you and I, I'm certainly hopeful that you would be able to hold to any one of these particular views and still be a part of this church. Because I think there will be people in heaven who hold to every one of these views. One of the main reasons I wanted to give you the proponents, who are the people that actually present this view, uh, is in every one of those groups, I've read some articles or read some things about the people who hold to these views, and they are genuinely in love with Jesus Christ. And they're genuinely trying to express why they feel the view that they hold to is the biblical view. And I expect to spend eternity in heaven with people from each of those perspectives. Because I don't think your view on creation really has any bearing at all on your eternal destination. Because what's of greatest importance? What's at the heart of the Christian faith? Here's the passage. There's two passages in particular. And this is what we'll be winding up with. In Matthew 16, verse 13 to 16, we read this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the Son of the living God. What's at the heart of the Christian faith is who do you say Jesus is? Not how do you say the world was created. What's at the heart of the Christian faith is how do you answer this question? Who do you say I am? In Romans 10 verse 9, we said this, or it says this, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. A lot of competition could be averted if we could actually get back to that heart of putting Jesus at the centre. If you've got friends and family who might hold to different views, they might look at Christianity and go, oh, they're those people who believe in X, Y, and Z. One of the best things you can do is A, help them understand that on particularly around creation, they might have a completely warped view about the different ways that Christians view creation. They might be, your friends might be really big into science and going, I just can't believe in a literal seven days and the only view Christians have is a literal seven days. Well, you can actually go to them and say, actually, that's not the case. If that's your sticking point, don't let that be your sticking point. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Because that's the wrestle point. That's the topic. That's the question that is worth discussing. And once someone has a view on Jesus, they can spend the rest of their life 
exploring and discovering how the rest of it works together. And it's actually fun. I really, I mean, I'm a bit of a, I don't know the right word, but I love digging into Genesis and I love trying to work at how it all works together. And I do really appreciate science to give away a few more of my, my own convictions around this and trying to work out what is it that God's trying to teach us through Genesis and how can we understand the world in and through this view? But how can we actually see what God has done in and through the scientific findings that we have and how do we bring those together? But if you're doing it from a position of understanding that you know who Jesus is and if you're doing it from a position that is not trying to say you're in and you're out, but recognizing that actually God created the heavens and the earth and that's where the division ends. If you believe that, I'm good with you. And let's spend the rest of our time trying to work out what can we learn and see from the rest of the story of Genesis. Let's just take some time and we're just going to pray. Pray that God would let this sink in and, and, and yeah, really think through what that means. Uh, Father, firstly, we want to thank you that you did create the heavens and the earth. That for whatever reason, you chose to bring us into existence. I want to pray for your church global. I want to pray that you would knit us together and unite us afresh. And as we live in challenging times when there are so many things that are already against the church, may we not be against ourselves. Help us to find unity around the things that are essential, to allow diversity in the things that are not as essential, and in all things to have charity amongst each other. May you help us as a church at Austin Cove be a church that is able to sit in the tension of different views and beliefs around this in particular. And mostly, Lord, we pray you'd help us to journey with people towards you and answer the question, who is Jesus? We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.